All right, Psalm 19, Psalm 19. God is good. Let's go ahead and pray. Father, we just thank you for this morning. We thank you again for allowing us to be here, uh, this property, the privilege to do all that we do this past week. Lord, all the various churches that are doing VBSs this year, we thank you for them and ask for your continued blessing upon them. For those who are going to come today to to pick up this stuff and use it at their church for their VBS. Lord, bless them and may your word just reach this next generation that is being bombarded with filth. Father, we just thank you and praise you that you are such a good God, a loving God, but you are also a just God and you will hold us accountable. So we thank you for that, Lord. That's a good thing. So Lord, even this morning, we ask your blessing upon the, the offering, our financial gifts to you. We don't give them to man per se, we give them to you and we ask that the leadership of this church would have wisdom and discernment in using those funds wisely. So Lord, bless them. I also, I pray for the gift of teaching, Lord, as we open your word, your love letter. We thank you for this word. Use it mightily in our hearts this morning. In Jesus' precious name, amen, amen. Well, Psalm 19 to the chief musician, a psalm of David. And if you're new or visiting, we're going to do all 150 psalms. Uh, right now we're just kind of doing one at a time, but we'll, we'll get up there and maybe do a half one sooner or later. We'll just take it as it comes. It's the word of God. What's the rush? We're going to have it for all of eternity. Let's get to know it now. But it's a psalm or a song, a song. The psalms are songs. And the emphasis of this song is that God reveals his existence in creation or in the aspect of natural revelation. Natural revelation. He then moves to the aspect of specific revelation by the written word. I kind of highlighted those verses for you as we go through them, so it'll make a little more sense. Which should lead a person to self-examination, which we're going to see towards the end. So we'll just leave that slide up there if you want to write it down or take a picture. But as we look at these three things, the, the big question that we need to ask ourselves as we look over this psalm is, are we listening? Are we listening? So even if you're a mature believer in the Lord, 40, 50 years in the Lord, there's no such thing as spiritual retirement. You've got it all together. You don't need to read your Bible. You've got the gifts down and this, that, and the other thing. You have been deceived by the enemy and you're going to crash and burn. We need to be in our Bibles no matter how old you are or how young you are on a daily basis. Having that devotional time so that we can get to, as David's going to get to, the most important part of reading the Bible, self-examination. How can I be more like Christ? How can I be more like God? How can I uh, uh, use those godly attributes that he freely gives to us through the Holy Spirit? Now, as we look at these verses... Someone might read into them wrongly. They do not mean that God is in a tree, that God's in a flower, a bird. That would be defined today as panentheism. And no, God, the Bible doesn't teach that God is in everything, but that he created everything. And that by creation, we can see his handiwork. And so verses one through four, the heavens declare the glory of God. And the firmament shows his handiwork. Day unto day utters speech. And night unto night reveals knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line has gone out through all the earth and their words to the end of the world. In them he has set a tabernacle for the sun. God's creation is magnificent. And when someone comes to you and, and is so concerned about a person, and how can a person, you know, how can that person in Africa or, or the person that's been born and raised in Islam, how can God reach them? I encourage you just to take them to verses like this. The simplicity of the gospel. Psalm 19. Because no matter what you were born into, what religion or what area of this world you were born into, God's creation is all around us. And it's magnificent. Did you know that there are over 950,000 
species of insects found throughout the world. 950,000. That there are over 54 species of mammals. It's believed that there are over 18,000 species, unique species of birds worldwide. What about plants? 400,000 with over 60,000 tree species. How about bugs? Well, you could take 10 and put an 18 above it. 10 to the 18th power or 10 quintillion. There are over 1 million species of plants and animals that live in the ocean. It was amazing. We were watching, uh, channel, I was watching Channel 8 last night and diving down, I think it was like 50, 60 feet, I think it was around Australia, they found this thing that was created by a U, underwater UFO. It was unbelievable. A UFO went underwater and it created this unbelievable symmetric circle with ridges in I mean, just a beautiful design. And they found them ten, like 10 years ago. And then they started, they would disappear. And then one would pop up and it would disappear. And they're like, what, what is going on here? So they spent one year on trying every day, just going down to see if they could locate one, see if they could locate one. They ended up finding one while it was being designed by a three inch fish. They had never found this species before and it's about a five foot diameter circle i mean when you look at it you think somebody had to design this this i mean it's perfect it's incredible and he just flips around and flips around and he's creating a bed for his mate to come and lay her eggs and they actually filmed when they mated. He grabs her on the cheek. She lays her eggs. She swims away. And now he has to take care of the rest of it. That's it. And then he goes and he takes care of this beautiful design until the fish are born and leave. Yeah, it all just by chance. Just, just by chance. What about the heavens? You know, just in our galaxy, it is estimated to have 100 billion stars. But there are innumerable other galaxies beyond our galaxy. From our sun to the next nearest star is 4.1 light years away. Light travels at 186,000 miles per second. So if you could jump on a ray of light you could get to the moon in a little bit over a second. The next nearest star, 4.1 light years. you got to get on a ray of light and travel for 4.1 years to get to the next star. This is what David is expressing. And thank God for science. I mean, there's wonderful things that we have learned through science, but it doesn't negate God's creation at all. It just magnifies his creation. They don't, they don't know these various things. We still haven't figured out. Right after the fish were t- little baby turtles. And these adult turtles come up, and you know the routine. They, they lay their eggs, and only about 8% of the baby turtles make it back into the ocean. Only about 8%. The rest of them get eaten by birds before they make it to the ocean. Once they, once they get to the ocean, no one knows where they go or what happens to them but they will come back to the very same beach that they were born on. The females, so the females. Intricate. God's design. It is not just by chance. At all. The heavens declare God's handiwork. Because again, we could go on and on about our galaxy and those galaxies that exist outside of ours. And this all came into existence through God speaking it into existence. The first verse of the Bible, Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Ten words. Ten words. Now look at verse 4, as we leave that verse up there. Their line, that word line in the Hebrew is sound. 
sound. What sound? God's voice back in Genesis 1-1 and now the sound of their own existence. When a person comes to believe this opening sentence in Genesis, that that person will eventually come to understand that there is nothing too hard for God to do. Absolutely nothing. Yet people will wonder, how could God ever reach all the various tribes, tongues, or nations of our day? See, currently there are 196 nations in existence with over 6,900 languages within those 196 nations. Now, I have personally, I have a hard time with English. If you gave me a sentence and said, I want you to break down the verbs, the pronouns, the junctions, all that stuff, I'd be like, here's your sentence back, thanks. I just, I have a hard enough time with English. And so what happens is because I have a hard time with something, we bring God down to my level. Well, I can't do it. God surely couldn't do it. Well, that's your God. Because my God could absolutely do it. He's not like me. I need to become like him. And I shouldn't bring him down. I should allow him to be where he is at and glorify him for what he does. We place God within our own human constraints. How could God ever do the things we think he does? And some people will actually think themselves. Some Christians. Some of you people think too much. Just give it a rest. Just believe it. If you don't figure it out, you just think and think and think and contemplate. contemplate. You're not going to figure it out. God is God. You're not. Leave it at that. Just accept certain things. Other things, yeah, think about it. Great. But don't drive yourself crazy doing it. That's not what God wants you to do. He just wants you to accept the facts. And sometimes we'll just come up with, it's impossible. And that's why I think many are leaving the faith. They can't believe the first ten verses of the Bible. I think that's why many of our children have left the faith. Oh, it's impossible. It's impossible for God to do that. Is it really? It's not at all. It's not at all. And I love the fact that David inspired, that God inspired David to tell us what we don't like to hear sometimes. Through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, David makes it perfectly clear that God is seen and heard everywhere. Think about Jesus who lived a thousand years after King David. When Jesus said, I'm going to be lifted off of the earth and I will draw all men to me. Mankind. When you look up the word men, it's mankind. How is that going to happen? How big's your God? Because God's been doing it for 2,000 years. Before English was invented, God was reaching people for 2,000 years. He was reaching out to the Jew and the Gentile. But we're born and raised in a certain religion and so we think our religion is the only religion and we've got it all together or our denomination or our non-denomination and God just can't do that. No, God can do whatever he desires to do, which he does desire to reach the whole world. And so he has sent forth his Holy Spirit to draw everyone's attention to the Son, to Jesus. And again, we just don't understand how that could happen. I've, I haven't run across a person personally but I am seeing testimonies on video as well as in magazines where Muslims, devout Muslims, are having dreams of Jesus coming to them and they are finding Christians and those Christians are leading them to Christ. This isn't a myth. This is reality. Well, why would God do that? Because he loves Muslims. He loves the world. So why wouldn't he do that? He can do anything. But do we want to accept them? You see, most of humanity will not accept that fact that Jesus has been doing for 2,000 years. But it also shows that no one will be have an excuse on that judgment day. For I firmly believe these verses. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Just take them to these verses. Well, I don't believe that. Well, that's your problem. Don't, don't put it on God. It's you. You can't believe that God can do that. So don't blame God. Don't blame Christians. Don't blame anybody. That's your God. My God, because what my Bible says, he can reach them. And that there's no speech nor language where their voice 
is not heard. Their sound has gone out through all the earth and their words to the end of the world. Very simple. Which is like a bridegroom coming out of the chamber and rejoices like a strong man to run its race. Now at the end of verse 4, he references the sun and he's also going to reference the sun in verse 6. Its rising is from one end of heaven and its circuit to the other end and there's nothing hidden from its heat. So David is referencing this physical thing which we call the sun. And he's using it as an example. The creation. He likens it to the picture of the bridegroom who would be decked in beautiful apparel coming out before his guest. Or of the athlete who has power and determination to run in a race. No one, no one would deny the beauty and power of both of these illustrations, yet most people ignore the intricacy of God's creation, and not only today, but throughout history. How do I know that? Because they desire to worship the creation instead of the creator. This is not new. This has been, for thousands and thousands of years, the case. Not new at all. That everything we see and hear of today came through millions and millions of years through the unproven theory of evolution. It's from a big bang to the goo, then to the zoo, and eventually to you. That's just the way it is. And you are so silly if you believe otherwise. I think that takes a whole lot more faith than I have. Believing you came from a big bang takes way more faith than any Christian has. Our, our design, our life, everything on this earth is so intricate. You see, it's, un, it's easy for me to understand why people do that though. You see, if the average person stops to acknowledge a creator, then that would cause them to be held accountable to the facts of God's word. And I think also that's why a lot of youth are leaving the church. How many of you were young once? Some of you aren't raising your hand. You're liars. (laughs) Don't be afraid. Did you know everything as a teenager? How many of you knew everything as a teenager? You know, if you're honest, I mean, that's just, your parents didn't know a whole lot. And then when you got a little bit older, they got smart all of a sudden. It's amazing how that works. Well, why did you know everything? Because at that age, you wanted to do something that they didn't want you to do. So I'm not going to listen because I want to do what I want to do when I want to do it. And hopefully they don't find out. It's the same thing when, when you have junior high and high schoolers grow up and they get out and they're 18 and they go to college or they get out of their own house and they get their apartment, whatever it is. All of a sudden it's like, great, mom and dad aren't around. I can do what I want to do when I want to do it. I can sleep in. I don't have to put my clothes in the hamper. I don't have to brush my teeth. I don't have to clean the bathroom. I can do whatever I want to do. And then there could be other things that I don't want to do or that I want to do as well that are sinful. And so I totally understand why people don't want to believe in the Bible, why they want to push it aside. But verse 7 goes on, the law of the Lord, the law of the Lord. You see, David now moves from God's creative genius, God's creative genius that lives all around us, to his creative genius in his written word. I would encourage you to stop and to look. You know, we, we, we put up a hummingbird feeder at our house about a year ago after coming back from Colorado. We visited a family and, man, they were just hummingbirds like crazy. I said, oh, I want to do that. I want to do that. So I put up a hummingbird feeder. It's so neat just to sit there and I'll say, hummingbird. And they know, okay, there's one at the feeder. It's just amazing just to sit there and watch how they behave. Or when these bushes are blooming out here, all the purple flowers, the heavenly cloud they're called, they're sage, the heavenly cloud. When you're walking down that one time and you see bees, don't be afraid. If you don't mess with them, typically, so here's a little warning, typically, if you don't mess with them, they won't mess with you. Typically. Take the time to stop 
and to look. I mean, I've trimmed the hedges when they're there. They don't bother me. But just to see them go in and out, flying, buzzing around, busy, 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 doing what they're going to do. Active. It's just, this is so amazing, God's creation. But usually we're so busy. We're too busy on our phones or TV or running to and fro to even see the intricacy of God. And that leads us to this as well. We're usually too busy to read the Word of God. We're too busy. I I have to sleep in. So you can't get up a half hour early to read the Word of God? You gotta sleep in till 11? You can't get up at 10.30? I can't remember the last time I slept till 10.30. It was probably when I was 17 or 18. You can stay up till 1 o'clock in the morning? Well, why don't you... At 12.30, set your clock to read your Bible at 12.30. Well, I'll probably fall asleep. Well, then set it for 12. Well, I'll probably fall asleep. Well, set it to 11. Well, I'll probably fall asleep. In other words, you don't want to read your Bible. Let's, let's just be honest. Just put it out there. You don't want to read your Bible. Well, no, I don't. I don't get anything out of it. Well, it's hard to get anything out of it if you don't read it. Try reading it, and you might get something out of it. And if you do it year after year after year, you'll be amazed at how much you get out of it. But if you don't want to get anything out of it, just leave it on the shelf. It's irrelevant. I'm going to do what I want to do when I want to do it. David didn't do that. As a young man, he was inspired to write the word of God. And here he's showing forth as probably the king. He says, the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The law here is the Torah. It means the instructions, the directions, the teachings. First five books of the Bible. The law of the Lord is perfect. The word perfect here means entire and comes from a root word which means complete. You see, David had the Torah taught to him. He had the Torah taught to him and it was enough to transform his life. He was also inspired to write the word of God and it transformed his life. Converting, as it goes on to say, converting the soul. What is the soul? The soul is your personality, how you behave, how you react. That's your soul. Do you have a fit of rage? Well, it's my flesh. No, that's a part of your soul. And you need to crucify your flesh. But what that means is you need to crucify your soulish desires to have a fit of rage. That's what that means. We're to crucify. And David said here, converting, which converting means to turn back, to return. You see, the word of God should cause a person to turn their lives back to the creator of it all. And guys, if we read from Genesis to Revelation, the young people, maybe some of you didn't go on the junior high or high school retreat, I can tell you what they were taught. At the end of the day, this is what they were taught. Read your Bibles every day. And if you read your Bible every day, you will grow Grow, grow. Oh, that sounds like a Sunday school song. Yeah, it is. And it will happen. But you have to do it. I have to do it so that we might grow. The testimony of the Lord is sure making wise the simple. The testimony. You see, his commands, also known as testimonies, will make a ignorant or a unlearned person Wise, wise. Are you wise? As a young adult, you should be wise enough to know better about certain things and not do them, but at the same time, you may still do them. Well, you gotta be in the testimony of the Lord. You need to be in His Word. Again, creation points us to God and the Word brings us to God. So we can see God. We can see God all around us, not in the tree like we mentioned earlier, but His creative hand. Now it's our responsibility to find out about Him. Okay, I can see His hand. Now let's learn about Him. And that has to become personal one-on-one. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandments of the Lord is pure. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. Statutes here were guidelines for living. They gave the Israelites instructions on how to live, what to eat, 
what they should wear and how they should be kept clean spiritually, emotionally, as well as physically. Do you guys know this? This popped into my mind. Way back, just over a hundred years ago, surgeons would get blood on their gowns and they would go into the next surgery. And the more blood you had on your gown, the more proficient a surgeon you were. Smart, isn't it? Isn't that just so smart? And then a Jewish doctor, through the Bible, learned that that was not right. And so he started changing his gown after every single surgery. Do you know what society did? Do you know what his peers did to him? They mocked him. They ridiculed him. They said, you're ignorant. You're foolish. It doesn't prove anything. His patients started to survive. Incredible. His patients started to survive the surgeries. And all of a sudden, well, maybe, maybe he's got something there. And now we know obviously today, yes, That is what you need to do after every single surgery, after you go to the bathroom, after you eat out at a restaurant. Yes, wash your hands. Do it. It could be detrimental to the patient. So the Word of God is amazing. It's amazing. Some people will claim that the Word of God is a cosmic killjoy. But they must not have a relationship with God because... They would know that God just desires to protect them from harm. Thinking back to my 40 years now as a believer, I could remember this thinking, oh man, that's kind of a bummer. I can't do that. But as I matured and looked back, I go, thank you God for keeping me from that. But at the moment, you can get that mentality of, man, why Christianity is no fun. No, it's a lot of fun. It's what you make of it. And God's word is pure. Notice this in verse 8. The Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. You see, God's word will always give us insights into this life. His word illuminates my mind and guides my heart so that I might make right choices because God's choices, think about this a little bit, God's choices are always right choices. They're always pure choices. I wonder if this is pure or not. Well, then you go back to the old bracelet. What would Jesus do? No, no, Jesus wouldn't do that because it's not pure. Okay, well, there's your answer. It's it's very simple. Verse 9, the fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. Here in this verse, fear, there needs to be a healthy and reverential fear of God. It's that healthy fear that keeps us on the straight and narrow path because sin has its consequences. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true. The word true there means stable. Stable. Do you feel unstable in your life? Do you feel like a a wind that's just kind of tossed back and forth or like water that's tossed back and forth? You're really not clear. You're really not focused. You're you're kind of here, there, wherever. You're not, I would venture to say, most likely, you're not in the Word on a regular basis. You're not going through self-examination on a regular basis. Again, whether you're young or whether you're old. You know, the the biggest thing now, and I heard it again the other day, a person all of a sudden in their 30s became bipolar. You know, and I'm not a doctor, so this might sound kind of weird, but I don't believe that. I don't believe it. I, I appreciate science. I appreciate medicine. I just don't believe that all of a sudden something happens in your life and you become bipolar. Can you be born with it? Absolutely. Absolutely. But because we can't figure things out because we can't say no to certain things and we want to do what we want to do when we want to do it, let's put a person on medication and say, you're bipolar. You know, you had a bad day, you had a good day, you had a bad day, you had a good day. You're bipolar. How about going to the Word of God and allowing the Word of God to transform my soul so that I might become right with God so that I'm not tossed to and fro. Now, if you're on medication and you need medication, there's no bash, there's no guilt or condemnation don't even go there because it's wonderful praise god for all of that but are you sure you need to be on it that's the question i would ask you 
Or do you just receive a diagnosis and run with it? That's my answer. Because it might just be the desperately weak at heart that it needs to be transformed. That's the answer. And you continue to mask the problem, mask the problem, mask the problem. Don't mask the problem. And if you need medication to get through that, praise the Lord. That's great. That's what it's for. Get through the problem. If you read the fine print on the dr- most of these drugs, it's to get you to a level, your brain to a level, where you can go get counseling and get healed and get restored and get off the drugs. It'll say it on there. This is not a healing drug. This is just something to get you through whatever you're going through to get you help so that you can figure life out. The judgments of the Lord are true. They're stable and righteous altogether. Again, they are right. But will I submit myself to them? And notice there in those verses six times, the law of the Lord, the Lord, the Lord, the Lord, the Lord, the Lord. Guys, is pressing in. I, I was I was grieved this morning just looking at some of the news headlines and what's going on in our country. Just grieving a state in our country passed a law this past week that makes abortion legal for all nine months of the pregnancy. And their reasoning is for the welfare of the mother. Give me a break. This is America, guys. This is not Nazi Germany. But we're worse than Nazi Germany. Where we will kill an unborn baby, boy or girl, 50% are girls, in the womb of a mother. Pull it out, tear it apart, throw it in the trash, and say, well, it was for the convenience of the woman. Judgment's coming. Judgment is coming. And we deserve it. Because God is righteous. He is righteous altogether. And we can't keep going down this road as a country and then with one hand say, God bless America. Let's kill our babies. God bless America. Let's endorse homosexuality. God bless America. Let's live together. God bless America. Let's everybody get high and we'll all be happy with cannabis country's gone to pot literally more to be desired verse 10 more to be desired are they than gold yea than much fine gold sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb moreover by them your servant is worn and in keeping them there is great reward These verses here, I think, gives us a great picture of how deep our Christian walk should be. There should be a desire to read the Word, and not just a commitment to read the Word because, oh, Pastor Jim says I have to read the Word. I guess I need to read the Word. You see, there's nothing on this earth that could buy a wonderful, intimate relationship with God. Absolutely nothing. And that relationship will continue to develop as long as the believer continues to bring the Word into their center of their lives. More to be desired. Those four four words in the, the Hebrew, they mean to delight in. To delight in. What's more important in life? Money or God? Because we delight in money. My career or God? My family or God? My fill in the blank or God? What's more important, what's more important, or what's important in a person's life? will determine how much time they spend with that entity. What's important in your life, in my life, whether that's hobby, career, family, and again, as I've mentioned over the years, it could be a good thing, nothing wrong with a hobby, unless you make that hobby your God. Now there's a problem. Nothing wrong with children, obviously, unless you make the children your God. Everything revolves around the children. No, it doesn't. Not at all. You see, God, God's word gives me instructions on what to do and what not to do. And it clearly instructs us in God's ways as well as man's ways. And when we keep God's ways, we are eternal, there are eternal as well as temporal benefits. Notice at the end of verse 11 there, and in keeping them, there is great reward. The word great is abundant. Abundant. Reward is compensation. Now, right away, you might think, money, 
That's great. Let's have a teaching on health and wealth. Give $10 this week, God's going to give you 100 Don't be cheap. Give 100 God's going to give you 1000 You give 1000 God's going to give you 10000 Amen, brother? Amen. You dig deep, y'all. Get out of here. How about Philippians chapter 4? How about Philippians chapter 4? You know, I would encourage any pastor who's going down that road or any person that's going down that road to go over to the Philippines with that doctrine. Go into the Sudan with that doctrine. See how far it gets you. Go into India where they're trying to survive day by day and get them one meal a day and try to get through with that doctrine. See how well it does for you. It's not a biblical doctrine at all. But here, here is a practical example Philippians 4, 4, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing. How many people today are on medication because of their anxiety? Be anxious for nothing, but in everything. Well, how do we get over being anxious? The Bible teaches us right here. But in everything by prayer and supplication. Those two words there, prayer is broad. Lord, we ask that you bless VBS this week. Supplication. Lord, my grandson's going. Please bless my grandson. So you have prayers and then you have supplication with thanksgiving. Lord, thank you for all the volunteers that served this past week at VBS. Thank you, Lord, so much for them. Let your request be made known to God. What will happen if you do that? You will prosper. You will get a reward. You will get compensated. What will happen? And the peace of God. The peace of God. Not the peace of the Republican or Democratic Party. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding. How many of you have run across a Christian and they have peace in their life and you just go, I don't know how. You could have peace in your life with what you're going through. Has anybody run across a Christian like that? Where you just look at them and you, th- and you might not say it, but you think in your mind, I just don't know how you could have peace in your life. But then you see their testimony and you go, that's how they have peace in their life. They're reading, they're praying, they're discipling, they're being discipled, they're in the church, they're doing these various things that we should be doing as believers. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Praise God. There's a world out there that abundantly needs peace. And they're seeking it in all the wrong places, in all the wrong ways. Where if we would just focus on the word of God and get back to the word of God and allow the Holy Spirit. Again, verse 11 there. Moreover, by them your servant is... Notice that. Your servant. Are you a believer? If you're a believer here this morning, then you have a master which makes you a servant. Well, I have my rights. Talk to the master about your rights. Talk to the master about your rights. Get into the word of God and see your rights. And in keeping them, there is great reward. Who can understand his errors? Who can understand? Now again, David's going to have a prayer here that applies to what we just stated. He's going to do self-examination. Who can understand his errors? Cleanse me from secret faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. You see, if we read the word, but don't apply the word, then it doesn't do any good. Leave that verse up there. Leave that that slide up there for a minute or two. The other night I was out watering the lawn, and a couple Mormons, elders, 18-year-olds, came over. And so we just started having a conversation at the fence. And I just loved them. Let them know I love them. Don't believe any of your stuff. So let's talk about the Bible. And we just started to converse. And I said, well, how do you, how does a person get saved? Because they were talking about, well, we're Christians and we're saved. I go, no, you're not. It's a different Jesus. Your Jesus is a spirit brother of Lucifer. They don't know what to say to that because that's their doctrine. But I said, that's who he is in your doctrine. In my doctrine, in the Bible, he is the son of God. 
So you think you're saved. How did you get saved? Well, James chapter 1 tells me that if I lack wisdom, I go, that's not even close. That's not even close. How about Ephesians? And they're kind of looking at me like, is that in the Old Testament or New Testament? You know, Ephesians. How about Ephesians chapter 2? They still weren't getting it. How about Ephesians chapter 2, 8, and 9? For by grace you are saved through faith. And then the light bulb went on. Oh yeah. I go, well let's listen to it. For by grace you are saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works. Lest any man should boast. And we spent about 20 minutes together and I just said, you're going to be held accountable for what I just shared with you. There is a heaven, there is a hell. God loves you. He's showing you right now that he loves you. I said, let, let, let me make another point here. You think that it's okay, your Mormonism. How about if you come out of Mormonism? Why don't you just come out of Mormonism? You say that it's by faith, that you can be a believer. You come out of your Mormonism and tell me what's going to happen to you. Tell me what's going to happen to you. Nothing's going to happen. No, it's time for you to wake up. Your family is going to ostracize you. The church is going to ostracize you. You will not have fellowship. You will be put out. You will be an infidel. You will be cursed because you have left the faith. It happened to me as a Catholic, a Roman Catholic. When I left the faith, I left the faith. I was now going to hell for following Jesus and reading his Bible. Really? That's messed up. That's really messed up. Guys, it's all about Jesus. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Notice this wonderful prayer that David is praying. But we have to apply the word that we might grow thereby. Otherwise, it's just a bunch of head knowledge. Because even those missionaries said to me, well, we know the Bible. And I told them, yeah, you know the Bible. You know the Bible. I understand that. I, 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 you know, I appreciate your sincerity. What do you think about Muslims that blow themselves up? Do you think they're sincere? That's always a good question. Yeah, they're very sincere. They're very sincere. They're sincerely wrong. And so are you. But that's your choice. Get into the word of God. Presumptuous here means arrogant or proud. You see, some people think that they're above the law until they get pulled over by a policeman and receive a ticket. And it's the same with the word of God. David is the king of Israel. Is it possible to think that he is above the law of man as being king as well as above the law of God? Now, most of you know the Bible, so you know the answer to this question. Some of you might not be reading your Bible, and so you might be thinking right now, oh, no, David would never do that. No, eventually, he did get to that thought, and it cost him dearly, which we'll cover in depth in Psalm 51. So David here prays about presumptuous sins. Then I shall be blameless, and I shall be innocent of great transgression. This is before his fall with Bathsheba. Great prayer. But for something, something happened in his life where he got to that place of proud, of being proud, of being arrogant. I'm above the law. I can do what I want to do because I'm king. Bring that woman to me. Let the words, as he wraps it up, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Notice two things here. Our mouths and our hearts should be in unity. Acceptable here. The word acceptable means a pleasure, a delight, a favor. And it carries with it the idea of the priest examining the offering that is brought to them. You know, when you were a, a religious Jew and you were coming to bring a sacrifice to the temple, you would bring the sheep, uh, the, the ox, the turtle doves, whatever they may be, the priest would look at it, make sure there was no blemish on it, that it was fit for offering to God. If it wasn't, they would say, no, this is not acceptable. You need to bring another one. Or they'd say, yes, this is acceptable. This is what this is. David is saying. May I be acceptable in your spot. What is he sa- in your sight? What is he saying? Check me out. Look me over. I want to be acceptable in your sight. I don't want to play Calvary Chapel. I want a relationship. I don't want to just go to church. I want to be more like Christ. Check me out. Check all of me out. Unfortunately, David fell after this. 
But his heart here at this time is in the right place. Could he have avoided what he did with Bathsheba? Absolutely. How could he have avoided it? Being in the word of God. Being in the word of God. Staying in the word of God. Being held accountable by other people. And when it's time to go out to battle, go out to battle. Don't hang back home. He was supposed to be out to battle. He was supposed to be doing what God called him to do. And he refused to do what God called him to do. And it cost him. Again, we'll get to that in Psalm 51. But notice, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. We don't have time. But I would encourage you to read the book of Ruth. Read the book of Ruth. And you'll read about redemption. Because David is in the line of a Gentile woman. A Moabitess. God's grace and God's mercy brought this woman to Israel. She married Boaz and became the great, I think it's the great, great grandmother of David. And Jesus came through this very line. Redeemed. Redeemer. Maybe you're here this morning and you don't have a relationship with Christ. You know of God. You know of Jesus. You're playing church. You think you're doing okay. If you don't have a relationship, you're going to hell. That's what the Bible says. You need a relationship. If you don't have fruit of a relationship, you might think, well, I think I have a relationship. Do self-evaluation. Is there fruit of that relationship? I'm not talking about works for salvation. Don't be immature. That's not what we're talking about. Is there fruit of salvation? If there is, then you're saved. Praise God. But if you can honestly say, you know what? I don't think there really is. I've just been playing church. Then you need to get born again today. You need to receive Jesus as your Savior today. Because you may die today. No one knows the day or the hour. And so God, once again, is showing his love to you and reaching out to redeem you if you so choose. But the choice is yours. It's a free will option. I would encourage you to take it. But again, we are blessed with the free will. Father, we thank you and praise you for this morning. Lord, we thank you for the Psalms. And that we could see your hand. And we, we, we could spend years delving into the heavens and all of your creation on this earth. So Father, we just thank you and praise you that your word once again shows us that no one will have an excuse. That you so loved the world that you gave your only begotten son so that you would try to reach every Mormon, every Muslim, every Jehovah Witness, every Buddhist, every atheist, every agnostic. God, you are trying to reach your creation because we are made in your image. But we also see the enemy, Lucifer, the devil, Satan, using his tactics to destroy that image. Father, we just pray for our country. We pray for repentance for our country. Passing laws to kill full-term babies. God, we need to repent as a country for we are going to be judged accordingly. Father, as believers, send forth your Holy Spirit that as we go out into our mission field, we can speak the truth in love. We can have compassion on the abortionist. We can have compassion on those who who just following after the prince of the air, Satan himself, that they might be redeemed through our testimony, through our words, through, through your word, as we share your word with them. Lord, use us this week. Time is getting so short. The days are getting so dark. But the light shines even brighter in the darkness. Help us to be bright lights this week, Father. You know, as the saints are praying, maybe you're here this morning, as I've already said, and, and you have never received Jesus as your Savior. I want to encourage you. I'm going to pray a simple prayer. And if you'd like to pray this simple prayer, then you pray the prayer. And God will receive you as His son, as His daughter. 
but it's between you and him right now. And you have people around you right now that are loving you and are praying for you. They're interceding on your behalf. So Lord, we just thank you that we can come to you on behalf of those who might not know you this morning. So pray this simple prayer. God, I need a Savior. I do see through creation and I do know through your word that I am a sinner in need of a Savior. So Father, I I come right now to surrender my life to you. To ask Jesus to be my Savior. To invite your Holy Spirit to come into my life. That I might truly understand what we studied this morning. That your word will guide me into all truth. That your statutes will keep me on the straight and narrow. Father, I thank you that even with this simple prayer, because I am sincere, according to your word, I am now your son. I am now your daughter. You have written my name in your book and the angels are rejoicing. Thank you for accepting me. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. And we thank you again for all those who serve in VBS. I pray you just bless this day for them and give them that much needed rest. And we do pray again for those continued churches that are going to be continuing to do the VBS in the next month or so. Bless each and every one of them, Lord. Reach the little ones for you, Father. We thank you for this morning. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. We all stand. Amen. God is good, you guys. God bless you. If you need prayer, please come up. We'd love to pray for you. If you receive Jesus as your Savior, please come up. We would love to hear that. And we'd love to pray with you. God bless you guys. Have a great week.